Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. You guys, that finale trailer we have to discuss. (laughs) The fact that there even is a finale trailer, like, do you understand how just crazy and culturally significant this is going to be? This is literally the television event of the year, I swear. No, you do not have to tell me. But even the way that this trailer came to us felt so on par with the chaos of the season, meaning, and I'm sure you guys were watching this go down in real time in the way that we were, it initially was leaked. Bravo did not post it. It was leaked. Everyone started to pick up on it. And then I have to imagine behind the scenes at NBC, it was pure chaos because pretty immediately after, Bravo then released the official trailer, which in all fairness, there are a few discrepancies between the leaked version and then the actual version. But either way, no matter what version you saw, this is some crazy shit. I just can't explain again how satisfying it is to actually see, I mean, by the way, this is only the trailer, not even the episode yet, but to actually see everything that we've thought about, heard about, read about, fantasized about really in front of our eyes actually go down. It is so just like, it really is so fulfilling. I know that's like fucked up, but I can't explain it, how many situations in life you're in that you will never get to see it and we get to see it. It, It's, I will never not be grateful for that. I mean, think about it. That one still shot of Ariana screaming, that has kept us fed for a while now since that ever initially came out. And now to see the conversation that was going on that led her to that reaction, by the way, like immediate holy shit moment was the clip of Sandoval and Raquel which I know these are not two people that we've never seen in an intimate setting before. Like even in what we're currently watching when technically nothing is allowed and they still have to operate as if they're just friends, they still get a lot of one-on-one screen time for people that are just friends. And there still is a lot of touching for people that are just friends. But to watch them and know that they're operating on camera 
once the, the act is up and they can kind of be like, quote, their authentic selves, as disgusting as that sounds, there was something where I was like, I feel like I should not be seeing this. Exactly. I mean, I think that's the scene that every producer knew we would just be jonesing for. And like when we heard the articles, <laughs> when we got okay. the articles that we were going to see them like filming a scene together that day of, again, I couldn't even believe that that would be true. And here we are getting to fully see it. It's just, oh my God. Like, is there going to be a full scene? Are they going to kiss? Are they going to just completely let all the barriers down in front of the cameras? I just, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, listen, that scene between Sandoval and Ariana, when he says to her, me and Raquel became really good friends. She goes, I don't give a fuck about fucking Raquel. Your friendship is fucking bullshit. And still in the heat of this moment, after his girlfriend of nine years just found out that he had been actively sleeping with her best friend for the last six months, this motherfucker has the audacity to respond. No, it's not. She says, yes, it is. And he goes, you don't know everything fighting her, fighting back at her. It's really similar to what Kristen said on Watch What Happens this week of Sandoval does not have the ability to simply just apologize. There's always a but. There's always that, I'm sorry, but here's the reason. Something that makes him look better, that feels as though he can redeem himself. And I just... I think it must be so infuriating to have to interact with someone who is so incapable of putting their pride aside, even momentarily, you know? You even see him yelling at Ariana about like not understanding. Like, of course she's not going to understand. H- how are you going to make her the villain in this or at least attempt to? I feel like for Ariana, it's probably so satisfying. Like, And that's why she's so down with having the cameras in because he is so wrong and not only wrong in his actions, but then also wrong in the follow-up and the apology and the way he deals with all of it after that it's like, let everybody feed on that. Oh, totally. I mean, it's almost as if his entire existence is vindicating for her in terms of allowing for the public to see who he really is because he just continually digs his grave. By the way, another line from this is when Lala says, you think this is the first time he's been creeping around? Which that is the one part of this I am curious if we get any more insight into any non-Raquel potential rendezvous in the finale. Well, Chris and Dodie on Watch What Happens Live was like, yeah, people were basically coming out of the woodworks once this dropped and, you know, telling stories about him and what's been going on. And when him and Schwartz would be on the road, like for appearances that other shit was going down. I mean, obviously I care about that. And if we had 10 more episodes, I would 100% want to dive in deeper on that. But like, it's just not my concern. You know, it half of this is that it was Raquel and half of it is that Raquel and Ariana had this relationship, which when we speak about this episode, we'll get into even more because it's never more apparent their friendship and how hard Ariana rode for her. And to me, it's like, yeah, he cheated, but he cheated with Raquel and Raquel hooked up with him. Exactly. And that is the answer to Howie Mandel's, why is this such a big deal? That right there is why this is such a big deal. I want Howie Mandel to sit down and watch this trailer and then get back to me and tell me if he's not hooked and doesn't understand why this is such a big deal in pop culture. Like, you are so uneducated, Howie, and this trailer just proves that it is so much bigger than anything in the world. I'll do you one better. I want Howie Mandel to watch it and then not get back to me. I want him to watch it and then just <laughs> sulk. <laughs> really... Wait, by the way, before even getting into this episode, I do just want to issue a... I don't know, housekeeping note. I was dead fucking wrong last week. And it took me re-watching Schwartz on Watch What Happens to reorient myself about this timeline. Okay, 
Last week, that scene with Schwartz and Sandoval at the taco truck, when Schwartz is saying to Sandoval, yeah, I don't know. I just think with me and Raquel, there's not that much sexual chemistry. It's as if she has a crush on someone else. And I said, guys, I could be wrong, but I really do not believe from the deepest part of my soul that Schwartz knew it this time. Of course I was dead wrong because after re-watching Schwartz on Watch What Happens, what he told Andy is that he found out in August about the one-night stand, and he didn't find out until January that this was really a more long-standing affair with a lot of deep emotions. But that scene was presumably filmed early September, meaning that entire conversation, not only from Sandoval's side in terms of really trying to paint Ariana to look a certain way, which we had said, but from Schwartz's side, that entire thing was bullshit. So I was dead wrong on that one. I think there's just a lot of timelines that I I lost track for a second. Yeah, there's too many timelines. And honestly, I still think even though we quote know the timelines, we will never actually know the timelines because I don't even think that they know the timelines. But it does get confusing because what are they ever talking about? You know what I mean? Like you just don't know. It's like, what the fuck are you saying anyway? Right, which going off of that to really dive into this week's episode, and I have a feeling we're just going to bounce around. I do not imagine this being one of our most organized breakdowns, but my mind's just moving a million miles an hour here. Obviously, even significantly more so than last week, we see everyone catching on that something's a little bit off with this Sandoval and Raquel situation. And we see Sandoval repeatedly try to center the shorts and Raquel of it all to kind of take away from the potential weirdness. And it's none other than Lisa Vanderpump that directly calls him out and is like, wait a second, no one's thinking this is weird optics from the shorts raquel lens. Everyone is really focusing on you. But if we want to just focus in on the shorts of it all, When he says that he wasn't a decoy, and in a lot of ways, I don't believe he was, meaning I truly believe that that initial hookup was not done from his part as a way to cover for Sandoval, because I don't think the first time he hooked up with Raquel, he knew. Everything else he's doing, even if it's not technically hooking up with Raquel, it is effectively being the decoy. He is effectively diverting the attention off the group. He's making this whole thing into a joke. And he was there that night that she slept over. He was in the jacuzzi. You're going to try to tell me, Tom Schwartz, that the three of you were in the jacuzzi and you didn't know that they were hooking up? They were probably hooking up in front of you. Do you think that they were, though? Like, I think, I don't know. I, I can't picture what their attitude was about it towards Schwartz, because I think that that would be really telling. But it is so weird that he keeps trying to make it a Schwartz and Raquel thing. And even Lisa is like, what? Like, we're over that. Like, that's so 2009. Right. But you see, he's really holding on to that because in Sandoval's mind, as long as that's at all part of the narrative, it allows him and Raquel to continue to spend time together, to continue to pretty much do whatever they want, operate relatively in plain sight, and still have it not be the focus. What he doesn't realize is that he's not doing such a good job because nobody gives a shit about Schwartz anymore. The flip side of that, though, is the way in which Schwartz is approaching this, which honestly is so classic Schwartz. He's deeply uncomfortable, admittedly. Sandoval's putting him in a very difficult position, but his way of going about that is leading with humor, is trying to play it off as charming and funny and relatively informal. But when I look at these episodes, knowing that he factually did know, even if he didn't know the full extent of what was going on, at the very least, he knew that they had hooked up minimally one time. To me, he's not looking playful. To me, he looks like a jackass. These are like the worst people for it to happen to, Tom and Tom, because they are literally dumb and dumber. So the whole ploy and the game and the leaning in and also just how much they like ride or die for each other just obviously created such a toxic kind of environment. Okay, but honestly, if we were trying to just evaluate the toxicity of this episode as a whole, removing Schwartz and Sandoval's dynamic for a second, 
Top of that list is Sandoval and Raquel's interactions at glamping and the way that he is so excited and proud to hype her up and the fact that, yeah, maybe it seemed a little bit overdone, but it's not like it raised any suspicions among the group that they were with. If anything, Ariana likes that he does it. At times, I think she's embarrassed at how animated he gets, but that's more so just because she's not the most enthusiastic over the top person. And sometimes his mannerisms, I think, are just like an ick for her. But the fact that it's targeted at Raquel, that's not the issue. It's just his level of animation. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he's so excited for Raquel. I think, if anything, Ariana loves that because she's feeling the same way. He just expresses it in a way that she doesn't. It almost reminds me of when they were in Mexico, that scene where he's like, Raquel, 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 like so annoying and drunk. Ariana's annoyed because he won't stop being annoying, not because he's like all over Raquel in that way. I think that's just how he is. And it's sort of his way of being and it is annoying. He's just annoying by nature, but you're right. It wasn't the focus that it was about Raquel. It was just that he's so over the top and goes so hard for when he has a thought and an idea or a feeling that like, she's kind of just always like, Tom, can you relax? Right. Which honestly, the irony of that is we've spent so much time criticizing the way in which Sandoval is creating this very contrived storyline about what's going on with him and Ariana's relationship and the fact that she is so consistently annoyed with him. Meanwhile, as I said before, there are parts of that that can be extracted as truth. She is repeatedly annoyed with him and potentially it is something that he isn't responding that well to. It's just the way in which he's painting this whole picture is such a clear rollout and is so intentional that it immediately removes any aspects of authenticity, even though technically speaking, there are things that you could point out as true because yes, she is annoyed with him because he is just objectively annoying. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. 
Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This is what we need to do for this episode because I hoped or I I feel and I I have to imagine that people were as confused as we were in how much of this was re-editing. Like what was going on here? Meaning, let me ask you a question. Were you on the same page as I was that that Lala voiceover and that scene of Lala, Katie, and LVP and I believe Sir was all filmed post this breaking? I feel like the voiceover probably was because now it's like giving all this context and maybe some things that were important that maybe they weren't considered important before. Like, why was it such a big deal that Tom didn't get a car back with, I mean, obviously we know it was a big deal, but what was the other flip side that Tom wasn't just being an asshole, he was being an asshole. Plus he was choosing to spend time with Raquel at this barbecue over going home to Ariana who had just lost her grandmother. Like everything now had a second layer of interest. And I think they wanted to really nail this timeline of what was going on, what happened in the jacuzzi, what everyone was thinking going into this of like, why are they spending so much time together? I mean, you know, when like, Lisa is doing her LVP 101 and giving Ken a line to feed when he walks into the kitchen. You know that something is brewing and that this did not just come out of thin air. Like the way that we, I think, initially thought that there was no speculation, it was like they couldn't believe it. They were just friends. There, this was like a full fledged idea in all of their heads that they were almost like playing detective to try and figure out. I mean, you almost have to applaud the level of shamelessness in terms of production in that LVP Ken Katie scene. It wasn't like they had Ken sit in the kitchen hanging out and it just seemed natural that he would potentially drop that line. It's like they said to Ken, enter stage right, deliver your line and then walk out. It was the most blatant setup and completely something Lisa was on board for. But do you think that was a production thing or that was a Lisa thing? I think the two go very hand in hand. Right. I know. I almost imagine like a little kid at a school play and like on the side, like, okay, go, go, go. Like pushing it onto the stage. And like Ken just comes sauntering into the kitchen like, oh, I'm going to get a glass of water. So you guys hear about Tom and Raquel? (laughs) Let's zoom out for a second. Katie needs to make her sandwiches for something about her in the kitchen of Villa Rosa for Wait, yeah, Ken. Why? <laughs> Wait, what? How did we get here? That Those are the moments where you have a choice. That is when every Bravo viewer has a choice. Am I going to take this at face value and get the absolute optimal level of entertainment? Or am I going to go into this with a very critical eye and be super aware of the level of production? I am personally choosing the former because it's more fun that way. Yeah, and I don't think that it's like pulling things that weren't there. I think it's just very much all the building blocks of maybe trying to make something interesting. And by the way, like there's a world in which they were trying to make this something before Scandal broke, make it into like more of a plot line that was going to cause some drama, but never expected that it would have this big, insane ending that it does. Like, again, as we said, Next week was supposed to be the ending episode. So then it would be this sort of thing left up in the air. They'd sit down at the reunion. Tom would air his grievances about his relationship with Ariana. And 
you know, this speculation about him being into Raquel would sort of feed into it, but not that it would have this like grand finale of them being in a seventh month affair and breaking up and all of this stuff coming out about them. No, I mean, no one could have anticipated it ending up in this way. Although I really want to talk about this jacuzzi night and not necessarily what went down that night, but more so all of the various conversations about it. The thing is, keep your damn story straight. Even if the story doesn't look good, it looks worse or it is worse in general to be telling 10 different stories. I mean, this comes up again when Ariana says to Tom, like, you're making me look stupid about the Uber after the barbecue thing. It's the same with this. Like, you're going around telling 10 different stories and me another one, and then I report to people what you have told me and I trust you as my partner. Like, have a little damn respect. But again, that is a prime example of why Sandoval is so enthusiastic about the shorts and Raquel of it all. Because I think for him, it allows him like a little bit of a buffer. He doesn't have to make so sure that his stories are completely straight because he can always blame any mess ups on, you know, we just didn't want to rock the boat. Everything has been tense with Schwartz and Katie. Everyone's already all up in arms about Schwartz and Raquel. But you know, no, no reason to further complicate things. He then can add in. And in addition, these open relationship comments, it wasn't a good look from an optics perspective. But he really can make that the focus. But I think for him, it's giving him that freedom because he can always fall back on that. Meanwhile, what he's not realizing is that that's no longer a sufficient fallback. Right. Because by him giving that as the fallback, it only is making him look guiltier. Like it's, it's such a bad excuse that it's, it would have been better to have no excuse. Or it honestly would have been better to, to say the excuse about the open relationship thing and really lead with that. Right, right. But he would never, I mean, putting that in his mouth was anything that could possibly make him look less than or like that there's something wrong in his corner. He would never. He can't help himself. Watching this episode, I mean, I could not get over the glamping. It's true what Schwartz said and watch what happens. He is fully infatuated with her. And she is just the absolute perfect person to have that energy directed towards because she's got a lot of insecurity. She has a lot of issues in terms of not feeling as though she fully fits in. And then on top of it, like, no, she's not the, the smartest one around. So it was the most perfect recipe. Yeah, it's it is like a perfect storm in a way. I mean, I think you're seeing over time more and more, like we were saying earlier, because of his personality, I think he feels like it's easy to get away, to be over the top and to be like, we got you these glasses from him and Ariana. Like just all of this stuff and watching it back is, it's such a crazy experience because you can feel the seal like almost breaking down that he was able to sort of keep it up around people. And then, you know, as his feelings grew and as time went on, it really started just disintegrating. You know what I was thinking about when Sheen and Ariana are in their tent and they're kind of recapping the beach day and Sheena's filling Ariana in on what Katie potentially said, which wasn't entirely the truth. You know, we already know at this point in time, Sheena's not the biggest fan of Katie. So not to say it was entirely untrue, but she was certainly leading into it a little bit. And they showed the text on the screen that Katie had sent Ariana apologizing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the way that I interpreted that was Ariana and Katie, from what I believe, hadn't had a conversation 
in person about it yet. I think that that text was sent directly after the Hermosa Beach Day when, as we said, Sandoval started coming to Katie and said, by the way, Ariana's really mad at you right now. Meanwhile, Ariana was dealing with the death of her grandmother. I don't even think she knew about it yet. But Sandoval was using that as his card. And we said, remember last week you were like, I feel like when Katie said that, she probably felt like that was a gut punch. You know, it's one of my best friends, one of my business partners. Yeah. Holy shit, I don't want her to be upset. I think that that was Katie responding to what Sandoval had told her last week before anything even took place. Like it, it just goes to show that he did exactly what he set out to do in terms of really, you know, making Katie feel terrible, which there was something to apologize for and they worked it through. But it was like, I don't know, to me, that was just interesting. Well, I think he felt like the more I can ruffle up that dynamic, the more it'll divert away from me and it'll keep this sort of feud going on. Like he... As dumb as he is, he is such a master manipulator and he knows the dynamics of this group so well, like in a sick way. And I mean, by the way, that says everything you need to know about his respect for Ariana is like he is willing to fuck with her friendships and move all these chess pieces around without caring about the repercussions when it's only to benefit him. No, I mean, he is just a deeply selfish person to his core. And you see that manifest itself in so many different ways. I think, honestly, one of the hardest parts of this entire episode is the conversation between Ariana and Raquel at the glamping when Ariana is just praising her, saying how she is and could be such a role model, specifically the grace she's shown in the aftermath of her breakup with James. And you have that, you have Raquel's confessional saying, you know, I feel like I've really found my forever people finally. And it does make you wonder, like, how can one person be so two-faced it's it's actually like concerning. I mean, the confessional when Raquel is talking about her pageant life and how now she doesn't have to care about her reputation anymore, that fucking rocked me to my core. That one hit so hard. She's like, yeah, I can kind of just lean in now. I know. I think she said something like, I'm making up for lost time, something to that effect. Yes. It, oh my God. Like how eerie is that? That's like, that is like, you again, cannot write this shit. I'm going to say something. I don't know if you're going to agree with this. I'm not saying that the Sandoval and Raquel thing wouldn't have happened anyway. I think that it would have because I think he grew this strong attraction and infatuation with her. And I think that she is far too weak to not view that as adoration and love and take that into something that she felt that she was lacking in other aspects of her life. But I think something that really sweetened the deal for her was the fact that she knew there would be these moments of time where she was effectively the third member of Tom and Tom. Yes. And I think she fucking loved that. I think she gets so off on the idea that the three of them have this secret, have this friendship, this relationship that exists within their own little bubble that no one really knows about. And she's the cool girl. And she's the one that they're choosing to spend their time with in a way that no one else really knows. Like, it's just so clear that it's feeding a part of her that like sadly, and I, I honestly, it is sad is, is lacking and that that is the fix. Like you got, you know, low of a point you need to be in your life where one-on-one time with Tom and Tom is the thing that's making you feel good about yourself. I also think she feels like she was a new addition to the group and they're like the two quote OG main guys of the friend group. So like for them to be choosing her over everyone else, it's like she made it. She made it to the top. She infiltrated the friend group. The All the girls can't get along with them and have all these issues. And she's the one that they love. And she's one of them. Like it's so, it's so sick and twisted, but I also think it feeds into 
her infatuation and admiration for Sandoval in the first place and how like she couldn't believe she got this like big reality rock star personality that she had had a crush on for so long. Like I think she literally had almost like, I mean, he has a God complex and I guess it must have, it must have rubbed up on her too. Well, that's the thing. There's two different ways that you can react to Tom Sandoval's God complex. The Ariana of it all, which is like, all right, take a seat. Or the Raquel, which is just pure infatuation and, you know, almost salivating at the idea of him, which as I say that, it's that, that one does not roll off the tongue easily. Salivating at the thought of Tom Sandoval. That is the exact definition of Tom Sandoval. I think most people probably fall into the Ariana category, but when you become a reality star, it's so easy to feed into the ego that he has created like, a fake rock star out of himself. You know, he brings that upon himself. So the fact that Raquel fell into it is just, it's a perfect storm for this to happen. It's a perfect storm for this to happen. I also obviously need to talk about the Christina Kelly party because that conversation between Lala, Ariana, and Tom was one of my favorite moments of the episode. Me too. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile it helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. 
which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Lala is the perfect person for this job. She is the private investigator, call you on your bullshit, not afraid of anyone character that we need in this equation. It wouldn't work without her. I really want to break down the scene for a second because there were a couple of different aspects that to me made it so impactful. I think the first is the subject matter they were talking about because it was heavy. I mean, here we have Ariana in the throes of some serious grief and here we have her boyfriend of pretty much a decade partying the day away with his mistress, but even without that last part, already you got a fucked up situation. It was second of all, the clarity with which they were communicating the logistics. It didn't feel messy. And there are so many of these conversations that you lose the plot because of how messy it all gets and the screaming. This was actually a very calm interaction between three people, specifically because you had Lala there, who to me was actually doing a really good job of keeping this whole thing on track and genuinely just wanting to communicate the discrepancies in terms of the two stories. So there was something about it where I felt like, okay, I really understand what's going on here. And sometimes when these things get so chaotic, I don't. So I appreciated that. The third was the fact that we are seeing Sandoval unravel and realizing that he can't keep up with his stream of lies. But lastly, this to me was the scene where not only in scene, but also in her confessional, Ariana starts to acknowledge a little bit kind of the denial that she had been living in, in that it's not a matched relationship in terms of what she gives to Tom emotionally and support-wise, and then what he gives to her. And there was something that even though it's so painful for her to acknowledge as the viewer and as someone that has grown to really care for her, of course you're happy to hear her say it because the, the, the only thing worse than knowing it exists is knowing it exists and her being the only one to not acknowledge it. So it was almost like you could take a deep breath when you, she said, listen, I am Tom's fucking Stan and he doesn't ride for me in the way that I do for him. And just hearing her say that was like, okay, at least we see that you are now seeing the picture clearly. It doesn't make anything better, but it at least takes the edge off a little. And I think it being Lala is so important because it came from a place where it didn't feel like she was trying to catch anybody in anything or make Ariana feel bad or look bad or anything. Like it was actually, like you said, just lining up all the stories that are being told and just even bringing to Ariana's attention that there's a couple different versions of the story going on and that she should know that people are aware of these variations and discrepancies. Like, I just feel like it actually came from a really genuine place. And, you know, I'm not saying that this was like a huge step in either way with their relationship, but it definitely moved the needle. I think so too. And I guess what I do wonder is if this whole situation with Raquel hadn't happened, would Ariana regardless have gotten to a point where she was like, this is not what I deserve? Or was she at a point in her life where she was so broken and felt so defeated that the last thing she was going to do was kind of uproot her life with this amount of change? But to me, knowing and honestly, seeing your boyfriend be caught in the lie that he would so much rather be out partying, forget about with other women, just out partying in general than being there with you when he knew that you needed him most. Like, I don't know. To me, that's a wound that doesn't necessarily go away. Right. Like if that's not a wake up call, then I don't know what is. It, it is a clear, could not be more cut and dry example of where his priorities lay. Right. And that's why I come back to, and I know I already said this earlier, 
Part of what Sandoval is saying when he describes how their relationship isn't great right now isn't entirely untrue. It's just the performative and manipulative nature with which he's doing this rollout that automatically makes us question his authenticity. But that's a prime example of like, yeah, clearly their relationship wasn't that great if you are abandoning her at the time when she needs you most. And on top of that, she is acknowledging it. Yeah. Like she's sitting at home knowing that you're not showing up. She, of course, I'm sure had feelings about it, but I don't think she thought it was to the extreme that he was coming and sitting down and being like, our relationship is so broken. I think when you put all the puzzle pieces together, she probably fucking realized, oh my God, he's the biggest douchebag in America. I mean, here's the thing, even though this entire situation was deeply traumatizing for her, if you are watching just these scenes, you can tell in this moment in time, Ariana's self-worth was not what it should have been. Because if it was, she would not have been putting up with any of this shit. And so I actually think when they say like the light at the end of the tunnel, I think the version of Ariana now, or even six months down the line, is someone filled with so much more confidence who is so much more deeply aware of their greatness. Like this version of Ariana clearly wasn't. And it's so unfortunate that it took this level of trauma to get her kind of to the other side. But honestly, like if the Raquel thing had never happened, I would watch the scene and say to myself, this can't continue. Like she can't be okay with putting up with this. And she so clearly was. It is in a way such a blessing that this happened because I think it only would have been able to happen with something this big and impactful. Like it couldn't have been something minor. It had to be fucking huge to blow it all up because they were in a relationship for so long, sort of stuck in this cycle. I think they were, I mean, she at least seemed content with the dynamic that they had going on. And it was like, what's worth ending it? Because there's absolutely no way after all of Scandaval that she could ever even think twice about sticking around. No, no. But clearly there was a lot of other shit that she was willing to stick there. I, I think I think she it, it became comfortable in a lot of ways. And she, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. You see this happen all the time. It's just he's Scott, he's so disrespectful. He's the worst. He's the worst. Like he really is the worst. No, like you look up worst in the dictionary, it's literally him. Raquel's a different kind of worst. Raquel, it's a totally different beast. Yeah, I mean, she's, yeah. she's she's not great herself, obviously, don't get me wrong, but it's a very different type of a person. No, yeah, the the worst can span a whole bunch of different people, but he just specifically is like actually the worst. I wonder, I know it doesn't really matter, but I do kind of wonder what's going to happen with Sandoval and Raquel. Like a year down the line, is there a world in which they're still together? I don't know, which is crazy. Like all this happened and it wasn't even worth it. I don't know. I don't know. We're really going to have to see. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com. 
the place to find a place. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. In addition to the conversation between Ariana and Raquel clamping, I would say maybe the second hardest watch was the Katie-Ariana conversation at Christina Kelly's party. Which like, I didn't want to be hard to watch because I thought it would just all sort of melt away. But like, Tom has created so much between the two of them. I mean, of course it's their fault too, but it's mostly his fault that I was like, come on, you can't touch their relationship. Direct quote from Ariana to Katie. Obviously I love Raquel dearly. She's one of my closest friends and I not only trust and love her, but I trust and love my boyfriend. And so I understand how you feel, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh wow, who is Raquel? Oh, I don't know her. Katie says, I hope she's a good friend to you. And Ariana says, she is. That is crazy. Ariana goes to bat for her harder than anybody goes to bat for any of their other friends. None of the other girls for each other. Even honestly, it is like Tom and Tom and then Ariana for Raquel. And by the way, Raquel never even went that hard for Ariana, even back in the day. Ariana has this sweet, soft spot for Raquel and sees something in her about how she's such a great person and has always been such a joy to be around and is just a great friend to her and she is not afraid because I think she knows people don't have that perspective on Raquel. So she is like the first one to walk into a room and advocate for her and say it for her. And that is what makes this like a thousand times more painful. Wait, not to jump around, but remember, I think it was Lala when she was on Watch Happens Live was saying, oh my God, there's this conversation between Raquel and Ariana that you won't believe. I think that that's what we see in the trailer for next week when Ariana is like sort of venting to her about her sex life of like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to have sex with a stranger. And Raquel's like, you should want to have sex with your boyfriend. No, it's about- No, 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 no. I am so glad you just brought that up. That I I think that has to be the conversation they were talking about. No, it has to be. I mean, I people were saying that it was like Ariana coming to Raquel, being like, "I think Tom's cheating on me," which I think like could have been maybe hinted at in this conversation that I'm talking about. But I think that that's the bulk of it. Like Raquel giving Ariana advice about her sex life and how maybe she's not doing the right thing or what she should be doing or how she should feel when it comes to Sandoval. It is sick. It is sick. And especially, and we see this in the trailer when Ariana is saying to him, listen, I can't be intimate with someone who I don't spend time with. Not to say he doesn't have other commitments, but part of the reason that he is spending less time with her now than normal is because 
his free time is being spent with Raquel. So you have it on both sides. You have her voicing to him her concerns over their lack of quality time together. Meanwhile, his quality time is being spent with Raquel. And then the flip side of it is her talking to Raquel about the sexual concerns and Raquel trying to be the one to advise, comfort, give insight. I mean, I don't have words strong enough to express the disgust I felt knowing that Ariana is venting about her sex life with her boyfriend to said boyfriend's mistress. And what if it's brought up about Tom, like not even being interested in trying again with Ariana or trying anything with Ariana because like he's getting it from Raquel, you know? So it's like, he doesn't even need, like at least when he wasn't getting it anywhere else, he would put in effort maybe to be with Ariana and help their intimacy. But like he's getting at everything he needs clearly on the side from Raquel. So he probably at a certain point completely gave up. It's just, it is the most twisted thing. And here poor Ariana is like in this place in her relationship, but also thinks that she's confiding in a neutral friend who loves and cares about her and only wants the best for her, which is just not true. It's like, that is just, that is the ultimate betrayal. And it's one thing when you're just friends and you're not talking about your actual relationship, but that is a, a direct, like it's, it's the correlation is a hundred percent. But also, you know, the other really fucked up thing about this, I think one of the reasons that Ariana probably found comfort in talking to Raquel about it, I'm not saying in the aftermath of the conversation, I don't know what she got out of it. I can't imagine that Raquel is offering this super insightful advice that made her feel better. But just even the fact that she felt comfortable enough to voice this to her is because Raquel is one of her only friends that doesn't dislike Sandoval. She can't talk to Katie about this and know that it's going to be received by an unbiased perspective. Katie can't really stand Sandoval, neither can Lala. Raquel, however, views Sandoval in a very loving light. And so I actually think if you're Ariana, that's more of a reason why you would want to talk to her about it because you know that you're talking to someone that's not going into it with an inherent judgment. I know, I know. That's why this, I think, probably will really fuck up Ariana for double the reasons that a normal cheating scandal would rock somebody like this. Yeah, no, this is this is bad news bears. We are we are seeing some shit. I, I just to answer everyone's question though, like I don't know. I I don't know how much of this was edited after the fact. I I definitely think hands down the voiceover like one million percent was. I think it had to have been because it's like such a storytelling that it in in other contexts wouldn't have been different than any other story that they're trying to tell. Whereas this is like, all right, let's get down to the nitty gritty and pull back to all these scenes that we didn't include earlier because they weren't super relevant, but yet here we are. The other conversation worth mentioning at this Christina Kelly party is between James and Raquel, obviously post beach Rachella breakup, which I gotta tell you, it's like, Maybe a month or two ago, I would have been all in on this. I would have been super interested. Right now, I'm looking at Raquel saying like, this just can't be something you're focused on. You do not have the right to be worried about what James is or is not saying while you are actively fucking Tom Sandoval. I mean, my favorite part is that she's carrying her <laughs> like $6,000 Dior bag that he got for her. You know, like you might as well use it if you got it. That's like the one thing I could respect from this whole episode about her. I've never understood that when people are like, yeah, you know, I just, my ex-boyfriend got me this, but I just don't think I can touch it. I'm like, you're going to tell me you got a Chanel just sitting there, just collecting dust. I know. I kind of feel that way about diamonds too. Like it's a diamond. It's like a literal 
miracle from the earth, you know? Like, so what? It's from your third husband. I wear that shit with my chest. <laughs> Truly, I yeah. I do. You know I do. As you fucking should. <laughs> oh, what a what an episode. What a time. Vanderpump just better than ever. And uh, shall we move on to Summer House? Yeah, let's do it. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. I don't want to say that this was a filler episode of Summer House because I don't think it's necessarily fair to classify it as such. Obviously, Carl and Lindsay getting engaged is a very big deal, a high point of the season, all of that. But comparatively speaking to the trailer we saw for next week and the way in which Danielle responded specifically, that's the kind of thing that would make me say that this is a filler episode because, Isabel, I said this to you right before we started recording and then I stopped talking. So I was like, I'm going to save it for the section. Danielle's losing it a little. Is it just because she's struggling within her own relationship and maybe the place in her life or is something shifted? Because at first I thought that this was just a deep, overwhelming annoyance with Lindsay and lack of you know, understanding her relationship with Carl. But now I just think that this has got to come from such a deeper place. I mean, this is so sad and weird. And like, by the way, I'm not saying it is not okay to feel those emotions of like, how could I not know that my friend's getting engaged when the person proposing is also one of my best friends and feel that she was left out of it. But also look at the state of your relationship. Look at how supportive you've been of them. Of course, it's going to be like that. But yes, I I think that we'll be able to tap way more into that next week. And this was sort of just getting us to the point of the engagement and sort of to me, the most important scene is when Maya is saying to Danielle, like, yeah, I think it's happening like in the next couple of weeks. I know that there's a ring and she's like, what? There's a ring like so in the dark, not like just in the dark of the date and the plan, but like literally did not even know that this was even a beginning of a thought. Right. Which like, I agree that of course that is or can be upsetting when you are somebody that is so used to being intimately involved in every aspect of your best friend's life. And it's not that you're you're not allowed to have those emotions. Like you can feel however you feel. And I think, you know, it's, I always would support someone emoting. It's just the fact that 
that blocks her immediately from feeling the happiness, which goes to show you that like it runs really, really deep. And honestly, I mean, I sound like a broken record because every week I come on and I'm shocked at how team Lindsay I am, but I just, at this point, I just am. Like at this point, what I see is a really loving and cringeworthy, yes, but a really loving, mutually respectful relationship between Lindsay and Carl. And then if I had to simplify it, like a hater, a hater who's really hurt really hurt. And I feel for her for being hurt and someone who I think has the ability to, and in the past has been such an unbelievable friend. But I, I, I I don't know. I've like kind of fully turned the corner, I think, because here's my thing. It's not that Danielle isn't allowed to be upset or hurt or taken aback by that, even if it's just like a gut punch because she's so shocked. But how is that your initial reaction? Like, I think to not even pause to have the moment of happiness for the person and for this huge moment in their life before then personalizing it. That's the thing. If I'm watching this back as Lindsay, I'm like, damn, you couldn't even give me a minute. Well, it's making it about her. Like, even if you have all these feelings and overwhelming like senses of anger and jealousy and hurt, fine. Like that's a problem, but fine if you have them, but to express them in the way that it seems that she does in such a big over the top dramatic way and really like putting it out there that that's how she feels and letting everybody in the house know it. It's like, at least you could do is let her have the moment and not make it about you and not have everyone like whispering about your reaction to their engagement, which like, yes, you should have been involved in, but also like kind of has nothing to do with you. Okay. But honestly, and I, as I'm saying this, I'm trying to decide if I fully agree with this and it may just be a reaction to how put off I was by her reaction. I don't think that she necessarily should have been included. I think it's a really personal decision by the person proposing. And if Carl didn't feel as though he needed to involve her or anyone, he didn't have to. It was something that he seemingly wanted to do alone. Maybe if this was a year or two ago and things were different between Lindsay and Danielle, he would have felt excited and comforted by the idea of having her there. But I think the entire process of going through with the proposal and everything in the preparation stages is deeply intimate and you want to feel entirely comfortable. So how are you going to involve this person that you already feel you're on eggshells with at a time that should be nothing but your happiest? I don't think he had any responsibility to do that. And I just can't get on board with her reaction. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like I wrote so hard for Danielle and I still think she's a really good person. I literally think this whole thing made her crack because part of her was unwilling to admit how much of it had to do exactly like you said, with what's going on with Robert. Well, I think because this was like the actual first tangible thing that she could see how everything had changed. Like up until this point, it had been feelings and conversations and like, I, you know, should be this and should be that. But then for like the biggest thing like this to happen and her be completely non-involved, not even in the know that it happened. Like I think who someone in the kitchen says like, oh yeah, he's literally proposing right now. And she has, she doesn't even have the day or the grace of a day to know. Whereas a year ago, anyone that Lindsay would be getting proposed to by, like Danielle would probably plan the whole thing months in advance. Right. And I, I fully feel for her how jarring that must be. Like you said, it's a tangible representation of the separation in their friendship. And that is objectively sad. I just think there are moments in time when you have to take a moment to consider the focus here and it just can't be you. 
Well, also, if she had any part of her that wanted to really repair this or thought that it could be repaired, she would really watch how she handled this because like that will can be a make or break kind of moment. But especially because you're talking about Lindsay. It's not like you're talking about your average bride here. Like Lindsay is specifically the type of person that in this moment needs all of the attention potentially to a fault that like it's, it, it's a deathly combination. It, I think just the bottom line is, you know, and it's so sad, but they do say sometimes people come into your life for a specific period of time. And maybe the height of Danielle and Lindsay's friendship really existed more so when they were in their single life or in their life pre their forever partners. Maybe Danielle is genuinely not capable of not feeling as though she's the number one person to Lindsay. And like, is that something that could be worked through possibly, but is it also something that maybe that's just the reality? Maybe yes. I don't know. And not only is Lindsay someone who needs it to be all about her, she also doesn't forget. Like she will say to Danielle, let's say they do try to repair the friendship, which we know that they don't really, or it doesn't work. But she would say to her, look how you behaved, look how you behaved, look how you made it all about you, like not able to forgive that. So if Danielle really did want to get back to where they were, she sort of shot herself in the foot with that behavior. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm telling you right now, the second I saw that preview, I said to myself, this is going to be one hell of a reunion. No, it's going to be like, it's going to be sad, actually, but I, I hope we get to some sort of understanding better, but even if they do, just to come to a place of peace and resolution in their own minds, like that's all I could hope for. I think what's what's hard for me to wrap my head around is that in pretty much every other circumstance, when it involves other people, I am so much more aligned with the way that Danielle handles things when comparing her to Lindsay. Like I don't typically agree with the way that Lindsay handles conversations with other people. I think that at times it can lack sensitivity. Yeah. But then when it comes to this one, again, when the two are against one another, I'm more so aligned with Lindsay. And that's what I think is tripping me up a little, but I don't like, I just, I don't know. I have to call it like I see it and that's how I see it. I'm not saying it's right. It's just how I feel. It wouldn't be an episode if we didn't give our 30 seconds on Sam and Corey, how hot they are, how obsessed with them, how he smacks her ass, how he's so flirty. And this week was no exception. Amazing all around. Very rare though, that we are able to have this and then also have the example of the way that he was with Jess because yes, it, it's, yes. It's, you know, it's rare insight that you I forgot about her. Well, when Paige said it, when she was like, no, I honestly think that he is totally different with Sam. It's true. If you remember Jess, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get him to even spend the night. Whereas he is the one that is initiating all of the contact with Sam. No, I mean this like side by side is completely night and day. He wanted really nothing to do with Jess and Jess thought it was like moving so quickly and that they were like going to move in together after they left the house. Whereas here, he's really like taking it slow, flirting with her, coming to her. It's it's a whole other animal. And like, honestly, I forgot about Jess. I forgot about that whole relationship. So when they were putting them side by side, it just solidified everything more for me. Yeah, no, it's a good one. I'm I'm all in on this one. I really, really am. And I honestly really like her. I do too. She's I like, she's, she's, she's become more comfortable maybe in herself and also in this environment. And I feel like we really get to know her now. I was so happy when Maya acknowledged that she's just not fully feeling it with Oliver because the thing I've been thinking this whole season is like, this is not chemistry between two people that have been dating for a year. No, I know. Someone tweeted like, do they ever even really date? I just can't imagine it. And like, I just feel like they'd make way better friends. It's just like, I, I don't want to be greeted with a side hug and a kiss on the cheek. Like, you know what I mean? It's this The is, side hug is never a good sign. No, no. But she, at least she, she said it. I mean, she's fully aware of it. She's like, yeah. yeah, I'm just not feeling that closeness. And so as long as she's aware, like then it's all fine. Yeah, for sure. To me, the moment in Jersey worth talking about is 
when Louis doesn't realize that he's on camera. That was crazy. That was like a real fourth wall break. That was like, if if I'm Melissa, I'm feeling a little bit vindicated there. Yeah, like she fully got caught. That was, wow, that was like really crazy. That was like really crazy. I think Teresa was probably so pissed. Oh my God, I've never seen anyone grab their phone and try and get off speaker faster, but it's like, sorry, you know, we already got it. Yeah, and, oh, I know. She, I'm, I'm surprised that that would happen at this stage of the game. You know, I feel that like she's been doing this for so long that she would, her filming schedule would be just something that he was so aware of. Yeah, it's a Louis issue, not a Teresa issue. I think totally. she would never make that mistake. But you know, he's just like so excited and whatever, and thinks that she's in the car, and mistakes happen. But. Oh my God, if I'm Melissa and Joe, I am pulling that out the minute we sit down on those couches for the reunion. Oh yeah, no, she's probably floating. (laughs) I I want to talk uh, Frank and Dolores for a second. Oh my God, I was going to say, I wanted to say that when they were FaceTiming Joe G. Dice in the dress shop, I was crying. Crying. I voice noted you. I was like really crying. I know. I don't know why it got me. I think it's just because like, Oh, I, I can't imagine being having that f- physical barrier, you know, yeah. between you and your dad. But also, how much Teresa and Joe have gone through. They have this like beautiful moment with the daughters, and that she's getting married, and they want each other to be happy. It was just like it really felt like a full circle moment. I know you never thought that we'd see the day where she would be sitting in the bridal shop where her daughters are being fitted for their bridesmaids Never. dresses fucking FaceTiming Joe Judice and him saying how happy he is for her and how grateful he is to her for the way that she's continued to raise them. Like that is a moment where if you've been watching since the beginning of Jersey, it really hits you hard. Oh, totally. But I don't know. Something could have just been off with me because I was crying when Antonia got the Porsche. Oh, I mean, forget it. Were you? I was, yeah, I was dying. And I even I, know, I knew she got it, but it was just like such a cute moment. I was, then again, I guess actually, honestly, I cried three times this episode. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't hysterical. Don't get me wrong, but I 100% shed a tear when Frank Catania is in his leather motorcycle vest, eating his chicken Parmesan, you know, crying to Dolores about the way that the dynamics have changed. I know. And everyone's a hater. Like, well, then you shouldn't have cheated on her and you're not in a relationship and like, you know, get over it. But like, you know what? I'll say it. I can't help it. I understand and I feel bad and I do love them as a unit, but I think that they are at a real turning point and he is going to have to figure it out. I think they're both going to have to figure it out a little bit though. I, I Yeah, yeah. There's got to be some, there's got to be some compromise. Well, this is just a prime example of, you know, the, the way in which they handle things, which is admittedly very old school. Dolores is the first one to say, like, we don't talk about our emotions. This isn't something that we do. Yeah. And it's clearly that hasn't been an issue in the past because I think in the absence of talking about their emotions, they were able to just converse more frequently. Whereas right. now, because they're conversing less frequently, there are these emotions that are arising and he's filled with a lot of them. And I... Like I feel for both of them totally. And I also very much understand if I'm Dolores and I feel like this is my person, I want to prioritize that. But I I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't find enjoyment in seeing her sit in the discomfort of having to dive in emotionally because like that's a that's important. Like that's a, I think that that's you're never too old to 
forget about gain that skill, but like to lean into that side of yourself. Because I think she would even be surprised at what could come from that. It's not like right. he's the only one emoting. There's a world in which she then you know, gets there. I know she feels like it's so far off, but what we've seen from Dolores has been so transformative that I don't know, I think a year down the line, she could be the one leading these conversations. I hope so. I just, I, I think it's also going to be, you know, Polly being around them more and really understanding it and not just coming at like what should be and really what is specific to this dynamic. And I, I think they'll get there. Do you think? I hope so. I mean, I hope, maybe I'm just optimistic. I hope they do. I hope. I think, listen, at the end of the day, like they, they are family. They're always going to be Frank and Dolores. I know. Oh, love, oh. love me some Dolores Catania. Oh my God. Love that lady. <laughs> Anything else that you would like to mention? Oh my God. I think that's it. This was like, you know, I didn't think that these episodes were that amazing, obviously Vanderpump, but they really were. I had fun watching this week. <laughs> of course. What are you going to do? Not have fun? I guess, yeah, that's yeah. true. I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> back in like our Salt Lake City days, there were, oh. so, there were some dark days. No, no, no. I'm not ready for that. Don't, talk, don't take me out of my Thailand glory. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to be Debbie Downer. Oh, God. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we will be back next week for a bunch of episodes. 